0: My approach to getting you more sleep is simple, straightforward, but above all, it's got to make sense and feel best for you. Ready to get more sleep? Then let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Carrot Out Sleep Show. You are listening to your host Gary Secker and thank you so much for picking up this podcast. Whether it's your first time or you picked it up lots of times before, I'm really hoping you are going to find it useful and helpful. Today I have got a very exciting guest. I am going to be talking to Dr. Greer Koshimon from Nature Neuroscience and I have had her, she was a guest, gosh, a long time ago now. And it's always a pleasure to talk to her. And I cannot wait to talk about the many myths there are out there surrounding infant sleep. Hi, Greer.
1: How are you? Hi, Carrie. It's so great to be back here with
0: you. Oh, no, honestly, thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. How are you?
1: I'm really, really well. I've been following along your journey, um, you know, with your for, in your first year with your baby yeah, yeah. I'm, curious. I'm, I'm very curious because I think when I had my baby so many people asked me this question so I want to ask you I'm getting nervous uh, <laughs> has, has anything changed in your approach to sleep since having your own baby <laughs> I'm laughing because I get asked
0: this question a lot a lot and I'm always happy to answer yeah. and I'll be honest with you and I can't wait to hear your story afterwards and how you found it but as soon as you asked me first I'll go first. I yeah. was a little bit nervous because all of my friends that I have a lot of nanny friends and work in parenting circles and I was a little bit worried that when they became parents, they then did the opposite. They were like, "Oh, do you know what? I can't do the the naughty step. I can't sleep train them. You know, I'm so soft. Like all those things that come up with infancy I'm so soft. I know I'm giving in. All those things. They basically did a massive U-turn. So I spent a lot of my pregnancy worrying about, "What to do? U-turn? What to do? U-turn? What happens if I then start to want to sleep train? But I am pleased to say that all that worrying was absolutely nothing, as it normally always is. And having Betsy has only cemented my my carrot out approach. There's no way I would be able to sleep train or leave it right. And even if I did decide to do it, which I I never, I know I never would, my husband would absolutely would not let me. He I think before, See, my, many parents just didn't understand the concept of what sleep training or leaving them to cry was. I think he thought it was a few tears, but now he's seen her that because she cries, she's a normal baby, she cries. She's got okay. no in-between, Betsy. She's either delightful and super happy, or she's just completely blown and can't call her jets. Um, and I, I explained to him, I said, well, sleep training is that when she's like that, you wouldn't go to, go to her. You would leave her for a set time. And he was like, Carrie, I couldn't even leave her for 30 seconds. He's up before me during the night most times. So that's where I am with that. Please just say, definitely couldn't do it. No way.
1: Nah.
0: Nah, yeah, not for me, Grace.
1: I, <laughs> I feel like people would ask me at like a challenge. Like they'd be like, so now can you do it? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I can change your mind. And I'm like, yeah, I, I was exactly the same as you. Absolutely not. I actually found it to be just easier to just surrender to the normal sleep. Like to be like, all right, I know, I know what my son needs right now. You know, I know I need, you know, it's great to be lying here with him, even though it's hard sometimes and, you know, responding to him at night. And my husband had the same approach too. Like he, he before was like, oh, that's a bit weird. Like I bed shared with my son. I still do. He's four and a half. And, um you know my son was like oh my husband was like oh it's a bit weird to have a baby in the bed but yeah I guess you did it so yeah sure let's try it and now he's like I never want him to leave uh, this is so, such a special time they like wrestle at night before bed which mm-hmm. I call like his breastfeeding um and because you know my son like he needs it for his development the same way as yeah feeding for sleep right and so you know even when my husband's tired he's like i feel like wrestling i'm like it's your breastfeeding like go <laughs> i i breastfed him for 3 years like this is your this is your time now um and yeah he's just we just love it and uh it's amazing once you see and i thought about this all the time when my son was a baby once you see those like incredibly deep primal needs they have for our presence co-regulation day and night it's just it's amazing that you know some babies are not you know having that attention right it's like it's a huge huge miss right it's a yeah. lot of time it's a lot of time yeah.
0: yeah hopefully we're going to dig into some of the many myths around infant sleep in a bit but I just want to talk about this more because it's it's so interesting that people thought that it was a like that as you said that challenge to ask you that I've definitely had that from a lot of people too, mainly probably from family. Like I bet you would do it now. I'm just like, nah, nah, I I definitely wouldn't. And that's not to say that, oh gosh, that it has not been, it's been easy. I definitely went in with zero expectations. So I actually have found it, I did find it easier than I thought it would. Sometimes it is a bit like a busman's holiday. I feel like I'm the nanny but also that I've also got to do the nights. It's a really strange yeah. feeling. Oh, I can't just clock up at seven. But it doesn't matter whether she was up at three, four, five. All throughout the night, there is no way I could have left her
1: No, no. And it is really hard. Like, I I felt that that way too, right? You're, you know, I was like, I'm all in on this nurturing path. And, um, you know, the hard part about it is like, then you really are on duty 24 hours Mm a day right um there's no off shift I mean of course you have hopefully have your partner helping and like you know I always help parents try to really get that time off like full time off or they're not yeah into a tune and listen um but yeah but then you're like you know and sometimes our partners don't notice that either or, re- or realize it until we talk to them about it and be like, you know what? Even when I'm sleeping, I'm taking care of our baby. Like it's yeah, like the full, you know, full time
0: thing. It's it like is full time. Nice. And my partner is amazing, Matt. He is super amazing. And I have felt so supported of my parents. I mean, how could I have not been supported? Look at my look at a friend. I've been in contact with you. Um, Maria from not um, making mama like i couldn't have been a more supportive parent in her first year and i still found it really difficult and matt is amazing but he he just does not get that i'm always thinking about betsy and what's happening there is no off switch and that in itself is mentally exhausting
1: it is it is cuz you like even when you're sleeping like your mind is still you know, aware of her, right? Yeah. Like that's, it's all it's constant. So that's that's one thing I would have gone back to encourage myself to do, um, make a change was to really have a lot more regular time scheduled that wasn't work and wasn't yeah. taking care of my baby Yeah, I alternated between the two and had very little Wow. Did you have a mat leave?
0: Did Gregs mat leave? I've realized it's just like children and family logistics looks different to everybody. Do you, what did your mat leave look like?
1: Yeah, I was uh, I was off work completely for about eight months, and around yeah around eight months I started working part time. So then I had a nanny coming over, um, for about fifteen or twenty hours a week, and um, but then I would you know she would come over she was lovely my son loved her and you know it, that worked out great but I was like sort of handing him off and then going straight onto my computer to like work like a maniac for that whole yeah. time and then go back right so I would yeah I needed I needed to schedule an extra bit of time each day for myself yeah
0: so hard to find that I think you've got to give yourself grace because it's so hard to find that time and even if you found down bits of downtime there is always something to do when you have a baby I was my mat leave looked the same I went back around nine months so just a little bit afterwards and I've only gone back two days and I I don't think I'm going to pick up any more than that for now I find that's a balance um but yeah it's it's hard it's hard (laughs) just parenting is is really is really really tough I think if I had to go back, I would tell myself not to be such a... I had a real tendency to be a bit of a mum martyr about things. I would never call another mum that term, by the way. This is firmly what I call myself, a mum martyr about it, that only I can do it and I can only do this way and I've got to do it. If I could go back where I would allow myself to be a less of a mum martyr and let Matt do stuff.
1: Yes. I. Always other people do stuff. Yeah. I always talk to clients about that too because your brain as a parent like changes so much. You're so focused on the baby, yeah. And that's that really helps us take care of them well. But it's hard to have to kind of step back, and so I kind of help my clients do that too, and sort of be like, listen. However, the person puts the diaper on, it's yeah. okay, right? Like yeah. you know, whatever they're dressing them in, like it's like it's like, like there's a like ask yourself like, is this dangerous?
0: yeah
1: not like chill right like yeah make make yourself right and sometimes that means like yeah going off and not you know hovering over it because that's what I mean about you we don't get breaks right like we have to actually be really aware of switching out of yeah yeah it's hard
0: that switch is so hard and that husband hate was real when I first had I've I've never been more in love with Matt but also just hated him so much for sleeping and we decided we had a plan that I would do all the night feeds um and he would do all the bottles like and the plan and the my breast this is a whole other podcast but my breastfeeding journey didn't work out despite a lot of support from the best so I ended up bottle feeding and I've closely made peace with it now um but in the beginning I would still do all the bottle feeds at night time because he did was going out to work and had to be compass mentors for work. But then he would finish work and then he would his um, role was to look after both of us, get everything ready, make the bottles. And then I would nap from like five till nine o'clock at night. Oh, I missed that long nap. And then we would have some time together and then I would be on the night shift. So we made it work, but I forgot where I was going with this, but yeah, I had a real tendency to be a little bit controlling over it and be a bit of a mum martyr. It's hard. I'm not the same. The husband hates it. He was sleeping and doing all of that. And when he had done all of that, that his time was still his own, he could just eat his dinner. I remember once he said to me, I just need to eat my dinner. And I'm like, what do you mean just to eat your dinner i've literally not eaten my dinner without a baby strapped to me like balancing it over on one hand for, for ages so yes
1: because we're just so, we're so attuned to our baby right it's so so intense yeah um yeah absolutely i've had this similar kind of experience and also i know like as a postpartum doula like I think, you know, certainly in those like months right after the baby's born, you know, we need, like, hopefully we can have at least three people there. Right. Because, you know, we're, you know, I was similar to you. I did night, all the night feeds. Um, and um, I was pumping and, and doing some bottles as well. Cause my, my son was in the NICU and that was a whole other story as well. Cause I, yeah, anyway. Um, and and also I felt that way too. And my husband was also like really stepping up, doing tons of baby care, tons of home, you know, stuff in the home, cooking all of it. But I think we're still two of us are still so stressed doing that. Like yeah, a third person helps so much. Like me being a postpartum doula, like I'd be washing bottles and pump parts all night. And preparing food for the next day and tidying up and just you know in those moments I would be thinking who would be doing this if I wasn't here because yeah parents are already so busy right yeah it's, it's a lot
0: it is a lot but busy I always thought it's busy doing the best thing and however yeah. hard it got I would always remind myself especially when I'd got the rage at night time or it is hard to get yourself out of bed again for the fifth time in a night, fifth, sixth, seventh time in a night. Mm -hmm. But I kept telling myself that by going to her every time she needs me, I'm helping her. I'm giving her those tools to regulate herself in time, wire her brain. And when I saw it like that, that was definitely my motivation.
1: Completely. I felt exactly the same. And I love – that, you know, when you go, when you're really committed to supporting them and to nurturing and growing their brain, and you know how incredibly important it is to be responsive and support their sleep and make sleep safe for that, like, feel safe. Um It's, I, I also found it like, it was easy to respond, right? You'd have those yeah. hard moments and those big feelings. And, you know, like I said, hopefully we can have more support than we usually do now. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. It was like every time my son needed me, I was like, I know exactly what I'm doing right now. Like there was no hesitation. And, you know, there is beauty and, you know, so much love in those moments of supporting them too. They're so- It's going to make me cry,
0: Greer. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it's so much. Because some days, I don't know about you, but before Betsy, I was very, very driven by, wasn't my whole life, but I was very driven by work still am in a way but it's it is totally different very productive person I like to be busy I like to have my to-do list and tick it off and especially in those early days where some days you can feel like you are doing nothing you are just sat and this time last year was a heat wave in the UK so I was literally sat with my feet in a bowl of washing cold wash um like a washing up bowl with cold water and literally a naked baby strapped onto my chest on my chest a muzzy like a wet muzzy on us and sometimes I'd be thinking what am I doing I'm I'm doing nothing I'm just sitting here with the baby on me Mm -hmm. but at the same time I'm doing everything and it was amazing I would do it all over again
1: yes I always talk to parents about that that's one of like the big myths that I have in my book as well. Right. Like everyone always says that, like, Oh, I'm doing nothing. And you know, you, you take care of your baby all day and you know, your partner comes home you talk to a friend or family and the, like, what happened today? And you're like, I did nothing. And that's, it's just, we need to reframe it because yes. you're massive, like you have massive things going on in your body to heal from birth. You're feeding your baby whoever you're feeding your baby takes a huge amount of effort Mm -hmm. um, and time and organization and thinking and all that kind of stuff. You're thinking about diapers and (laughs) clothes sizes and, you know, all these things that just never ending list. And then, I mean, I should have probably said this first, but holding your baby and responding to them, you're building their brain like the most complex thing in the entire world is a human brain. And that nurture is sculpting it and building it. Like that's a huge amount of work. Huge amount of work.
0: Yeah, I love that reframe from doing nothing to doing, just doing everything, like slowing down and surrender to it. And I think there's something really lovely in that. It's it's still hard. Don't get me wrong. It is definitely still hard. There are some days where it's just like, oh, I need to be getting on and doing stuff. And then she'll be showing me a, a leaf or something she's found and, joy when I am present with her and she's showing me it's
1: just amazing it is it's mad those moments are magical I always say that to my son like we were in a hammock lying in a under a tree the other day and I was like this is the best day of my life I'm like I'm gonna remember this day forever and he's like I've got a long life to live mom oh, <laughs> I was like I know <laughs> I know <laughs> this is amazing um you know, we, if we can be present for those moments, like they, that is like what life is about, right? Those really, really special times of connection. And, you know, I actually think, you know, I talked to parents about reframing it as well. Like we're so used to, and you talked about this too. I was the same, very much a workaholic. Um, And, you know, we're so used to like doing all the time and like producing things and like creating things, and like having something to show for what we've done. Um, and with a baby, we need to use our efforts to be like, to be present, you know, be there emotionally. And, um, and they're really different parts of our brains that we use when we're, you know, producing things and creating things. It's really like our motor circuits and our cognitive circuits, like Mm -hmm. thinking, and th- those circuits in our brain, those produce things, right? Those like write articles, create podcasts, right? Like, you know, help people with, our, with sleep issues, the, the stuff that you and I do. Um, but our babies need us to be using our sensory brain circuits and our emotional brain circuits. And when we use those, we don't produce anything that we can see, but it's still taking a massive amount of effort to be engaging in those um Mm -hmm. which is also so tired um and the work happens but it's also invisible it's inside the baby's brain and it's inside of our brain right because we nurture ourselves and we nurture our baby we just can't see it right it's just it's it's hidden um but it's so meaningful
0: so meaningful and I think having a baby is the ultimate creative thing you could ever do You've literally created new life. Could there be anything more creative?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely.
0: You have your whole baby. It's funny that you mentioned being tired there because my husband, I hope he never listens to this podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) My husband was just, when I was in there, he used to come home. We'd come home from work, but I'm so tired. Um, And he's like, how can you be tired, Kerry? You've just played all day with babies. So easy. Now he has a baby. So I get it. I know why you're so tired. Because it's yeah. just it's your brain. Like you're constantly thinking. It's that mental load, that invisible mental load for sure.
1: Oh my gosh, yes. And for the people who like when you were talking about when you were doing nanny, when you were a nanny. Yeah. 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 The people who take care of our babies, like nannies and people who work in daycares, and wow. Like that's, you know, that is probably one of the most, I would say most important jobs, but also the most, you know, draining um, out there. And so, yeah, all for really supporting those people in our world much, much more strongly than we do.
0: Yeah, me too. I love whoever looks after Betsy.
1: Yes. Her
0: nursery team are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever loves her, I I think there's a real very precious to love someone else's child like that and again that was another fear of mine I had loved the children in my care as a nanny so fiercely there was a little part of me when I became a mum I was like oh am I gonna what happens if I don't love them love my baby like I love them is it possible have I run out of love what happens if I've used up all my my love maybe my heart is tired No, your heart just grows. And the love that you you absolutely love children in your care. And I still do love all the ones I looked after. But the love for your own child, it's just, it's something else.
1: It is. That's incredible. It's such a gift. Literally burst. I can't wait to get
0: her from nursery tonight. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Looking at a little picture
0: already. Um, But yeah, he, he gets it now, how tiring it is. He's like, I'm just exhausted by the end of the day.
1: Yes, for sure. And it's, you know, one of my friends when I was pregnant, she's, she had an older child and she's, she's, she told me, she's like, be prepared, like postpartum, you know, the postpartum period was about four years for me. And at the time I was like, whoa, I'm like, I'm not ready for that much truth right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have, so, there's way more evidence now we see like it absolutely takes at least 12 months. Yeah, we recover. But for all the like fatigue, the emotional stuff, you know, it's probably, you probably are looking at that three or four year kind of period yeah. after having a baby. And probably some of that is the lack of, you know, supports that many of us have that we are really working double, triple, quadruple to, you know, especially when we have these nurturing goals for our babies. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it takes a while. It takes a while
0: a long while I, a long while I don't feel like I'm anywhere near out of that I'm only a year in I've got a while <laughs> to go um it was a full yeah.
1: three years for me if not close to four it it's was it and, being true, yeah it's interesting and it's
0: like lots of parents really plan myself included for the birthday Not the first birthday, but, you know, the day you give birth, you have your your birth bag planned and you have a birth plan and you think about what I definitely did. I thought about that day a lot and planned for it. Didn't go to plan, spoiler alert, it was so different, (laughs) so, so different. But afterwards, I didn't really plan for that that fourth trimester. I knew intentionally what I wanted it to look like, like lots of um, slowing down, surrendering to it, but I didn't really plan for it. And... If it's unlikely I'll do it again, but if I did it again for anybody listening, I would definitely be suggesting to put a plan in a postpartum plan in and at least look for even if it's just for the first three or four weeks of just all that adult admin that when you've got all the baby min and the adult admin, because life doesn't stop when you have a baby, you've still got all that admin to do. Have a plan for that as well. I think that would be really helpful. I think that's probably where a doula would come in.
1: Yeah, I do. That would really help. Or if someone, you know, could take dedicate some, you know, significant time to you, right? Not, you know, really scheduled time. Yeah, absolutely. It would help so much. And I think that's it. I think I always have a weird concept of time, but I was like, oh, taking out the garbage, walking the dog, that's nothing. That takes no time. Unloading the dishwasher, whatever. Those things take a lot of time and after. Yeah. And I didn't do like, you know, my husband was, he actually got some paternity leave as well. He was home for, I think about two, maybe three months. Um, He had to like dip into work at times, but, um, you know, after he went back to work around three, four months or whatever it was, two, three months, um, he'd come home and I was like, the dishwasher has not been touched. There's a load of sink, you know, the sink is full of stuff the house is messy, didn't take out the garbage, barely walked the dog. And I was like, I'm not going to do those things instead of heal, rest, feed myself and feed my baby. Like I just didn't feel like I could do anything beyond that. Yeah. Um, And I think because I had been a doula for so many years, I was like, I know that this is all I'm capable of. I've seen this in so many instances. right?
0: Yeah, I still need that reminder. I am somebody, I'm quite a, I like things tidy and in order. That's just who I am. I can't focus. And sometimes I can get caught up if I'm at home of tinkering and tidying around. I'm like, nope, come on, just focus. You can do that when she's in bed or when she's down for a nap. Or it can wait. It can simply wait. This is not your season of your
1: life to have a clean home. And
0: that's okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It's hard, but... But yeah, it's an important reminder.
0: Yeah, I actually went home on my lunch break today and did a load of stuff. And it was a revolution of how much I got got done in that hour when I didn't have a husband. He was at work today. He normally works from home, which was great um, yeah. for the um, the first three or four months. In fact, it's great full stop. But especially in that postpartum period, it was amazing how much I got done without either of them there. (laughs) Well,
1: there was—I think it's only one study, but like they need to do more work on this. That showed they—they looked at like this was in a workplace, but they looked at people who were not parents, and then I—I'm not sure if there was dads in it, but there was definitely people, people who weren't parents, moms. And there might've been dads, I can't remember. But anyway, the the take-home message of the study was after you become a mom, you are so much more efficient at your work. You are the most efficient workers. Um, And probably that some of that is the clarity, like, okay, I know what matters. I'm gonna like get to it, do it and, you know, move on. Yeah, Um, That's one of the things that that's a nice change, right? Yeah.
0: yeah, I right. have heard that before. I've read that a few times. Sadly, I have not seen at home. I'm like that. If they're not there, I can get loads of stuff done. Sadly, at work, I can be a bit of a procrastinator. Yeah. But once well, I get it going,
1: takes a few years. It takes a few years, right? You might not see that until two, three years postpartum.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I'm very good at leaving. I'm like, is this a priority? Does it definitely need to get done? And if it doesn't, it gets delegated or I just delete it.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. bit definitely get
1: a bit more ruthless <laughs> for sure for sure well I'm I'm glad to hear that you know I think I think I think having a baby what like not only you know didn't change my approach at all but it really strengthened it, it sounds like that was the case for you too to just you know really be able to see how powerful and you know transformative and beautiful it is to be in that kind of relationship um and i think it's helped me you know work with people a lot yeah better too. yeah that is really interesting So since
0: i've been back it's i definitely have I've, I've always been a um an empathetic person but i definitely have more empathy now being a parent and i definitely can see it more from a parent perspective and that's definitely helped coming into yeah. practice with the families I'm working
1: with and that's not to say that someone who doesn't have a baby wouldn't you know that neither of us weren't great at what we did before it's just an it's just an added you know it's some added perspective I think yeah
0: yeah I love the way of looking at that because I used to really beat myself off about that I'd be like why would people want to listen to me I'm I'm just a nanny I've never had children of my own so I, I think that's a really important point Greer but it yeah. is it's just that that added parent perspective definitely take that into practice. For
1: sure. I mean, we see all kinds of specialists. Like before, I had a baby, I, I was thinking about that too. I'm like, oh, you know, I was a doula and and worked with sleep. And you know, we we'd see like a you know an eye doctor who doesn't have glasses. You know, that is so true.
0: So true. That is. why oh,
1: oh, I would goodness. say that. Yeah. yeah. All kinds of professionals can be so great at their job and not, you know. I've experienced it, but it is, you know, it's a it's an extra bit, I think. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm definitely a lot more patient and calmer
0: now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it's just, you're completely right. It's a beautiful thing to see, like watching them. Now Betsy's thirteen, coming out for thirteen months now, and she I've just started to see her show Empathy and respond to other people and her toys, and it's so lovely to see. Like every time she, I pick her up now, or if I, um, not that I need a cuddle, but or I cry in front of her, I don't. But if she can tell sometimes if I'm a little bit sad and I need to pick up, and she comes up to me and gives me a cuddle and pats my back. Amazing so she doesn't do that with anybody else I, I think it's I didn't even realize that I did it when I pick her up I've always kind of patted her back and so when I pick her up she does it back it's just it melts me every single time
1: I know those babies that are really nurtured you see that this like really sweet like empathy kindness and they they care about other people's emotions because that's been modeled for them it's so uh, lovely and then when you, you know, do some of the emotional language and stuff with them, you're curious, like, I wonder if you're feeling sad right now, you know, then their emotional vocabulary is just like incredible as well. Like at two years old, my son would be like, I'm too grumpy today. For, I'm too grumpy for this, mama. You Oh, know, like,
0: I love that.
1: I'm too overwhelmed by this activity, you know, like you'd just be so articulate with, you know, the emotions. I see that with a lot of other kids too, that who have that experience, Um, you know, you start to see very quickly how, how much influence we're having. Right. Yeah. And that
0: definitely keeps you going. Like she's at nursery or when we're hanging out with friends and other babies are crying, I can see her getting really curious and trying to She'll touch them or she'll use her voice the the I'm not say I'm not going as far as say that she's trying to soothe them because I, I doubt that is what she's doing, but it looks like she is trying to respond to them in some way and it's it's lovely to see. So sweet. That's very, very sweet. Don't get me wrong though, she's cute, but she's also a brute. She is a, she's a bit of a nipper <laughs> at nursery and she's scratched and bitten some other children. So don't don't I just wouldn't okay. want other parents that- to get the impression that it's all literally rainbows and bubbles over here it definitely
1: yes, is that is a good question they do have these beautiful moments Ooh. and they're right re- also just regular babies so like the old baby yeah you know, all babies are doing things like that and yeah uh, that's good good to add that too for sure
0: for so every beautiful moment there's probably two slaps pinches pokes bites <laughs> definitely but we're getting there she's only yeah. little yeah. takes time yeah. One thing, there was one thing that I was going to ask you, and it's annoyingly, it is completely. Oh, I know what it was. So when she cried, I always wanted to respond and I never wanted to shush her cries down and stop her from crying. And I tr- I was explaining to my husband that when she cries, our role is to not to not stop or change that that emotion. It's to support her through it. And one thing I really struggle with is when she does cry. Your immediate response is to pick them up and say it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. You're okay. And it, I can catch myself do it saying you're okay sometimes. And I, I'm trying to shift from instead of saying you're okay to are you okay. To get right. curious about her emotion or say, it's okay to cry. You hurt yourself. Let you mm-hmm. let crying out. And some of them, especially from my parents, some of the looks I get from them, it's they're like you're telling her to cry. And I'm just like, yeah, she's hurt herself. Yeah. Did you find that hard? And have you had any experience of that?
1: Yeah, such a good question. Yes, for sure. I think it's, I talk about this in my book, like how we're so, probably we receive that information as babies right and that's probably why that's our automatic response right to sort of say you know you see that all the time right baby fall down and their parents are like you're okay that didn't hurt you're not bleeding yeah keep walking you know we're okay we're okay and you know that's really you know you know what what happened to us right we're naturally going to go there um so yeah i talk about trying to cultivate like a space between your immediate response and, um, you know, how you choose to respond. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a practice, right. It's I I'm right there with you. I, I, I always have to work through the mental act of, you know, what's my immediate response coming up. And then sometimes I can catch it and be like, okay, let's see if how, how they're doing. Um, and, you know, talk to them about it versus like, yeah, you're good. You're good. Get up. It's okay. Um, and that comes out sometimes too, right? But we can always just do a detour when we notice it.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key is noticing it. Like no one is perfect. Nobody's is perfect, and, okay. and and actually being responsive isn't about being, parenting. And being responsive for me is never has ever been about being perfection and being perfect. Yeah. I when I catch myself doing that, you're okay. I try to. So I guess similar to what you have said is. Gauge her reaction first. If I'm not shocked by whatever's happened, then taking a moment, give her space, see how she responds rather than, because I don't want to go in there going, you know, if there is no, if she's fine, I then don't want to put my stuff on top of of it. Well, it's okay to cry, come on. And then she feels like she's got to have a massive reaction to it. The balance.
1: The curiosity bit is so important. Like when my son falls, I get... I never heard this documented anywhere else, but I get a shot like shooting adrenaline down both my legs yeah. every single time he trips and falls. And and so that was it was a struggle for me to not be like, you know, rush over and you know fix it. And so, you know, that I did that take that approach too. I'd always say, How was that for you? Yeah. And probably 80 or 90 percent of the time, he's like, What are you talking about? I'm fine. I'm yeah. Just get up and keep going. Um, you know, which is you know, supports that stance of curiosity, right? Otherwise, if I was like, oh my gosh, you're hurt. What's happening? What's going on? Like, you know, are you going to cry? You know, then you're right. He, we might be like encouraging, you know, a reaction that's not like their natural response to the incident, right? And yeah. we don't want to inhibit their exploration or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it is It is really, really hard. So I think that that's it. We don't want to like lead them to- yeah wants we want them to have whatever just be curious about what's going on and that's a great place to start right like how was that for you you know even yeah like even like exciting things like going down a slide or jumping on a trampoline right they might have like a you know a a reaction that's like mixed right we can't really tell from their face instead of being like oh that's too scary for you like we're not going to do that anymore right to sort of just be like how how did you experience that? How was that for you? Right? Maybe they were taken by surprise, but they were like, "Oh, you know what? I actually did like that. I want to try it again." Right? Mm-hmm. Um, very important to have that stance for sure.
0: Yeah, I really like that throwing it back to them. I guess that probably works. You can still use it on a really young baby, but I yeah. I can really see that working for older ones. How does sure.
1: that feel? Being so honest as well. Um. About it. Like if you were like, you know, they fall and you're like, you're fine, you're fine. You know, if you don't have patience in that moment, and they're still really crying, you know, you can go back and say like, you know what, that wasn't that wasn't very, you know, kind of me to, to just tell you, you were fine. It it sounds like there's something happening here. You're probably hurt or scared. You know, I'm here for you, right? You can always... Be just honest about it because I think you're right. It's not, parenting is really not about being perfect; it's about being authentic. Yeah, that kids, that, and we can catch ourselves making all the mistakes we make and just talk about it. Right?
0: Yeah, I love that. Always going to be here for the honesty when I make a mistake because, yeah, I like that. Just coming back to being authentic. I hadn't thought about it like that before. Um. Mm-hmm. I really, I really like this. It's I guess it's rupture and repair.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah it is. It Which is. we need.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'd love to get your thoughts on, I think, a lot of why there's a lot of fear around the tears. I call it tear fear. I think partly, as you said, it does come from, I definitely know my parents were like, shh, 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 come on, you know, the idea of a good child doesn't make noise. So you've got that. You need to keep, you know, up with the Joneses and not have a baby that's crying. I mean, my dad means well, but he will still sometimes say, "Oh, isn't Betsy good doing that?" And I'm like, "Well, I would still love her, even if she was screaming through the meal." Yeah, yes. <laughs> they were all inherently good, but I think that plays a part. And I also think there's also how those tears make you feel as a parent. Um, I guess our tolerance for tears as parents is going to. Very massively between parent to parent but i also think on a very very simplistic level it must have something to do with that, that that primitive reflex of a baby's crying they must be in danger and as parents and being the adult it must be just set off an alarm that we've got to go and go to them straight away does that make sense does that make yeah, any sense? yeah
1: it does i i yes do so much work at this with parents because you know, it does originate with that. Many of us grew up with, I don't want to see it. Like you're crying, you're sad, you're angry. You're feeling some sort of negative feeling emotion, like get it away from me. Right. Like, yeah. go to your room, shush, stop it. I love you when you're happy. I love you when you're smiling. I don't want to see this other stuff. Right. Like that's really the experience so many of us have. And and then, you know, then our babies experience these big emotions and we're like, Ugh, get it away, right? Or like, stop it or distract from it. Um, and we're just not comfortable experiencing them in ourselves. Yeah. And we're not comfortable, you know, therefore not with our baby. So I help people um, to first figure, like, first find that comfort in experiencing your own emotions, which is like a whole exploration right that that we can do um and then once we can understand that like emotions are a completely healthy and normal part of being human they usually last for you know about a minute and a half if we're not spiraling out on them and attaching all these like thoughts and judgments to them if we can just feel them they don't last that long and we can handle a 90 second emotion like we can be sad for 90 seconds or you know, angry for 90 seconds or whatever it is. Um, or even if it's longer, we can still handle it, right? Like mm-hmm. just you don't have to be terrified of feeling or showing those emotions. Um, because our babies are not. They are, yeah. you know, unless we start to shut them down and dismiss them and reject them, um, they're gonna be just fully expressing them. And, you know, like you said, like, they they do need us to be there to support and to sort of say I'm here with you I see what you're going through I understand this experience you're having um you know just that kind of builds all of their emotional brain circuitry and eventually their lifelong mental health it's very important to be supporting them um but we also have to like truly believe that right to sort of say to them like this is part of you know this is this is normal like it makes total sense that you're angry right now I've felt this way before and I'm going to be here with you until this feeling gets smaller because they yeah. always get right yeah I love that you
0: can do anything for 90 seconds but well, almost anything for 90 seconds
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and we don't have to be so afraid of our feelings and I think it's interesting to talk about it in this conversation because before we're parents, there's a lot of things we can do to not feel emotions. Yeah. Um, Work. That was mine. Yeah. Um, You know, work, any other like vices, shopping, TV, you know, exercise. Like there's so many things we can do to not feel them. Yeah. Um, But when we have a baby, it's, unavoidable like Mm -hmm. we're gonna be feeling tons of emotions about it our baby's gonna have tons of emotions it's like that's the time to really you know get your head around all this stuff right yeah
0: yeah and
1: I I love that
0: about babies that they are just they're just their genuine self they will just be so expressive and communicate with you then natural every baby is born an amazing communicator even though they can't talk and that always blows my mind I think it's amazing
1: yes it is they have so much communication um and that's you know that's ties into sleep too right they're they're still communicating at night with us and and the, the fact that people twist that into like they're manipulating or that stuff you they know that doesn't matter or they're just protesting or you know all these things um it's really really not okay with for me right I really feel like it's taking away human rights from babies we wouldn't treat yeah. any any yeah. other population any other age that way
0: ever yeah you know how I feel about that because we talked we've We've done a podcast episode before, and I really hope you'll come back as well, Greer, because so I could talk to you all day. So many things I want to talk mm-hmm. about and, and go through. Hopefully, you'll be a regular on the sleep show. We'll talk about it afterwards.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: but I forgot where this was going. What were we talking about before?
1: Uh, the emotion stuff, like baby's communication.
0: Oh, that's so annoying. I totally lost thought that my brain goes quicker than my my mouth goes quicker than my brain <laughs> but we were talking about them being really expressive and communicating mm-hmm. and then now nah, I'm gonna have to let that point go I think it's completely gone sorry listeners it, as soon as i we've probably finished it will come back to me
1: yeah well we can talk about it next time oh well
0: it's gonna be really not nice. you said something amazing beforehand oh
1: Oh, what was it? Communicating at night.
0: Um... Oh, I know, I know it. Put it back. Yay. About oh. how we talked about it before, about how that whole babies are crying to manipulate you. Babies aren't crying, yeah. they're doing exactly what they're designed to do communicate to you. No crying is ever manipulation. And um, yes. I hate that. And I also really have a problem with different types of cry the wind cry the protest cry the winding down cry to me cry is a cry is a cry
1: I mean I don't understand how any of that like makes sense to anybody like how is the only things that make sense (laughs) make it make sense the biggest thing that doesn't, doesn't make sense
0: to me is when Sleep training culture and society are telling you you've got to leave your baby to fall asleep. Now, this does not make sense, any sense to me on, a, on an instinctual level. Leaving your baby to cry and you're not going to them as a parent or a carer is really, really difficult not to do that. You're hardwired to respond to them when they cry and that alarm goes off. But yeah. the other thing is, is the more upset they are, the more dysregulated they are the harder it is for them to get to sleep. It's the same for us yeah. if we're stressed, angry, annoyed, hungry, had a, part, uh, a row with our partner, anything. If we're not calm and, and regulated, sleep is very difficult to come by. But also the whole, well, they're going to calm themselves down, they're going to se- they're going to be able to self-regulate. Because once they've got to that point, they're not able to self-regulate because their brains are just not hardwired to do that so yep. you're leaving a baby to fall asleep they're telling you that you're teaching them to do something but you can't yep. teach them to fall asleep they're getting further the more the upset they get the further away from sleep they're actually getting and the less likely they are gonna go to sleep you know,
1: it just blows it yeah. my mind what do you think yeah they're about? entering you know they're entering like a sleep through a fear state right like because after fight or flight is freeze and then when you're in a free state then you can like you'll dissociate shut down like withdraw and then eventually fall asleep as like a protective mechanism versus you know what people are told is which is oh yeah they're self-regulating which means they're getting from a state of high stress to low stress and then entering sleep through a parasympathetic nervous system rest and digest state um it's just absolutely a lie right there's no way to back up any of those claims with any you know facts like yeah. babies absolutely cannot go from a state of high stress to low stress without an adult without being yeah. regulated it's not possible yeah. Yeah.
0: it's wild like as an adult if we've completely lost control of our emotions like that it is very unlikely that we are going to be able to regulate ourselves as you said before we would swell sharp Talk to a partner, have a cuddle, shout, adjust. You know, go and get a drink, go get something to to eat, adjust the clothes we're wearing. Babies simply can't do that. It's it's why it's just wild to think that that's what they're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. It really is. There, and there's so many reasons. And I think in the end, it just comes. I think the brain science is like the most compelling for people because you know, just knowing that if someone's telling you, oh, your baby needs to self-soothe, you need to leave them to cry, to learn that skill or to learn to sleep. You know, the research just is so strong that it just, they don't have the brain parts to self-soothe, like period. That's the end of that conversation. Yeah. They can't do it. Like, it's like telling a baby to speak another language. Yeah. Learn German right now. Um, or telling an adult to do that, like, okay, I'll somehow use brain parts that I don't have to do this thing you're asking me to do. Um, it's not possible. And then the teaching to sleep, that sleep training barely changes their sleep, right? Yeah. It's, um, it's just not true. So I mean, I think, and I've been having a lot of conversations around my book coming out with a lot of people in this area. And it does feel like to many of us that there is a big change happening. Like there's so much more education around all of this. And there's so many more parents that are at least getting access to informed choice, which I think is the goal, Yeah, which is know what is going on, know what people are saying the risks and benefits are of, you know, just supporting your baby's sleep versus sleep training. And then factor in your family and make a decision like that's the wish right that I have for for people to at least just have informed choice
0: yeah same same like I will always be an advocate that that family is the expert of their baby and only know they know their baby best and what's going to work for them but it breaks my heart when they feel that sleep training is the only choice because that's all they've been told it's the only way you've got to sleep train if you don't sleep train you're never going to sleep again all those myths that come up with sleep um but I do think very, very slowly i are turning because a lot of um, mums that I've met just from my antenatal group or just from being in the park, I'm very chatty. I chat to my parents that I meet in the park, and so many of them now are um, a great example. Is my neighbour who is so much more open to. Being responsive and and gentle and building that brain and that, that I've definitely seen a shift. I don't think ten years ago that would have been the case. We won't yeah. ever know, but I, I can well, see how that's period. changed.
1: No, no, that's, definitely.
0: Yeah. For a long time, I felt that I was like a salmon swimming upstream. Mm-hmm. I was the only one talking about this, and when I was a nanny pre. Instagram days and social media, it honestly felt like that in where I was yeah. in the village where I is. Like people looked at me like I was so strange for carrying mm. the baby that wasn't mine or not doing a naughty step or not doing sleep training with the babies in my charge or going to them mm. every time. <laughs> my other nannies didn't want to hang around with me because wow. they thought I wasn't good at my job. But it was unusual back then, but I'm seeing it more and more now. And I honestly give a little dance inside do a little clap inside because it's amazing because every time it's a ripple effect every time we talk about responding to our babies responding to them is always going to be the best thing it ripples out it encourages someone else to not feel the fear that they are manipulating or seems never going to happen to do it and then someone sees them you see where it, it, it ripples out and it's a lovely thing to see
1: I love that I love that thinking about the all of those kids those babies that have probably grown up now that had that care from you and um that influence you have that's so powerful and yeah I'm so happy to see you're seeing that too I think that that probably a lot of the people who um want to nurture like have been so quiet about it and shamed about it for so long and I think one of the bigger changes is now they're like very confident they're like I know this is not just intuitive and the way I want it to be but it's also like really beneficial for my baby's lifelong health right and yeah in my own and and now I see that too I mean social media has been so great for spreading this information it's also great for (laughs) increasing sleep training and spreading that to other countries so it's double-edged sword but um you know it all that's how it is but I think there's just so much more confidence like you see sometimes people posting sleep training things and you know people who are supporting biological sleep supporting normal sleep are like not being you know cruel about it but they're like hey just want you to know there is another way to do this not everyone has to choose this path and I don't think parents were hearing that at all even like a couple years ago yeah no definitely it's
0: really true even since coming back from maternity leave and I only took nine months it's there's definitely been a big shift and I'm glad you said that it was a double edged sword because we I don't think you're never going to see I, I don't think in my lifetime I'm ever going to see sleep training eradicated completely no if I'm really honest because I do genuinely believe nothing works for everybody um, and there will be for some people and some families that does work but I really hope that we turn the tides, and that becomes the alternative, and that being responsive is the norm. I would—I'm getting goosebumps just saying that. I—I I, I honestly believe that that could happen. That we would see that I happen.
1: Do I do too. And—and and at least for it not to be, you know, like you said, to be a salmon swimming upstream, right? We <laughs> can probably have some community there and support, and feel really good about it. Um, just for it to be seen as a you know a, an option that's just the norm like it's to me it's so
0: simple your baby cries we're hardwired to go to them it, it yeah. really is as simple as that your instincts as yeah I think yeah. we will see that and I I love that that you said that there was no shame in nurturing because there is still a, a a colossal amount of language out there. I'm still breastfeeding, I'm still they're still waking up at night. That word still comes up a lot, which is part of the shame. Oh, I know I'm doing the wrong thing, you know, bringing them into bed, or I know I'm giving in. Like, there's still so much shame around sleep. Um, the biggest driving force for me setting up Instagram was to take away that shame. And each Monday, I always do a little Monday reminder to. You know, just a little just a little reminder for your Monday morning. There's no shame in going to your baby every single time. You're not soft, you're not spoiling them in, in lots of different ways. Cause I think it's so important to get that message out there. You can feel so alone um when you're a parent, regardless
1: yeah. of how you're parenting. I love that message so much because I'm I would say even myself, like total conviction in what I'm doing, like not a single doubt. Um I was not sleep chained as a baby. And and then, even then, just the societal pressure. Like, I remember having my baby and kind of being like, you know, I'd have people over for dinner and I'm like, my baby's probably going to wake up in like an hour and I'm going to go and help them back to sleep. And like, I was like, I'm a bit embarrassed about it. But, you know, uh, I could have, I would have loved those <laughs> reminders from you at that time. Yeah.
0: Like,
1: I, and I definitely felt great. like that. Yeah. Because it was so I felt like
0: I spoke over you then it's because the line went there sorry you go on
1: oh oh I was just saying because it's just so different right and it's just we're always under that societal pressure no matter how convict you know how much we believe in something right
0: yeah I definitely resonate with that when I just felt like all eyes then they probably weren't you know but I felt oh, that yeah. all eyes were on me. Ooh, she's been talking about sleep for ages. Let's see what she does. Oh, her baby's waking up again at nighttime or what's going I felt that I felt that because of what I did, what I do that I should have hate that word should have a perfect sleeper and that first couple of nights home from hospital was horrific I nearly marched her back to the hospital because I was just like this isn't my baby she's clearly not got the memo But I'm a sleep consultant (laughs) what is going on (laughs) I put so much pressure on myself but the next day I just realized I was shattered after four days of labor I was putting so much pressure on myself. And that night, I promised it might have been two nights of hell. I just said, look, I'm just going to let all pressure go and I'm just going to do whatever she needs. And we actually ended up moving into the lounge and she slept. On the Mo- I slept on the sofa and she slept on her Moses basket so she could see me. I didn't bedshare because I hadn't got a breastfeed uh, and established at that stage. And she was um, a low birth weight. And I felt that those two things on their own, I, like how every parent has to make an informed decision what's best for them, I chose not to basically I would do it if she needed it. I would do anything <laughs> if she needed it. I would sure. move mountains. Sure. <laughs> Um, but if we could and that's what I did she went on the floor in her Moses basket and I kind of I say sleep I didn't really sleep like propped myself up on the sofa so I could see her and that worked for us and then we moved on there but yeah I definitely felt that pressure um around people to,
1: mm-hmm.
0: to look at least look as if I knew what I was doing or I had a good sleeper
1: yeah yeah I mean I had a I had a side sleeper for my son too because he was premature and um there's just so little guidance there, but yeah, the, um, the pressure is interesting. Like I remember I had, when I had, you know, my nanny start to come over to help and, you know, I was writing a sleep course at the time, you know, all, the, all starting my book, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, my I take, put my son down for a nap and like, he didn't nap. And then I was like, okay, I need you to play with him for like 20 more minutes and then we'll try a nap again. And, And it was so funny because she's like, but aren't you a sleep specialist? (laughs) And I'm like, yes, like baby sleep is messy. Even when you're doing doing a really good job. Yeah. It's messy. Like I gave, I'm giving up on the snap, right? Like it's, that's the best course right now. So I think that's a good uh, message for parents too, that like you learn all the things, you know, you know, a very great approach to sleep, but it's not going to be predictable, you know super easy you know any of that right no exactly and that's why i think it's so
0: important it's what i love about you just being honest i actually set up another account instagram account whilst i don't know if you followed that confessions of a sleep consultant but i actually set that up on matly to share what it looked like because i oh, think it was really important I I to get follow. to get a professionals um what a professional's baby sleep looks like because we don't often see that side of it we Instagram can often be very polished and very curated and oh look at my baby napping in the pram well I didn't do any of that she only napped in the pram and I would be always honest about her sleep because Mm -hmm. I think parents need to see that but that again Mm -hmm. totally resonates
1: yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's you know it's a roller coaster it is
0: wild bit it is bit of just parenting and sleep it's just wild but at the same time you wouldn't want it any other way
1: no I wouldn't change anything me Except neither so. Sorry, I would have added a little bit more self-care but none of the all the stuff that happened between uh me and my baby wouldn't change a thing absolutely not
0: That's lovely. I don't think I. I don't think I would go. The only thing I would, as I said before, would I would be less of a mum martyr, but that would be it. I'd let people help a little bit more. I just didn't want to put her down. Yeah, and that was okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't either. And also, that's probably maybe that's what we needed, right? Like, yeah, our babies are. You know, the more the closer we are to them, the more oxytocin and dopamine's released in our brain it makes us feel good and rewarded and you know it's it's a feedback cycle like that too right so the other side of it is maybe we were getting exactly what we needed and it was it was still hard right yeah and that's okay yeah I think there's
0: beauty in that I genuinely always believe even through tough times that we are always where we're meant to be always and that can be really hard it's not always easy but I do take great comfort from that so yeah mm-hmm. I, I believe that that is exactly what I was meant to be on the sofa with my feet in a bucket of cold water yeah. for eight weeks in the heat wave I wouldn't have changed a thing yeah absolutely and I would do it all over again I just don't want to miss a moment with her I, hopes I don't want to miss a moment with her I know, like right? it's that constant pull push me pull me like I love being at work and being able to talk to you and have a coffee and go home and actually put a um a wash on but at the same time I'm just like right come on half five I can't wait to go and pick her up it's yes
1: absolutely
0: so yeah. strange like we, we, we've just come back from a week on holiday with my mum and dad and they're like why don't you go out for dinner and we did go out for dinner but when we had our dinner I, was like, I just want to go home now I just want to be even if I'm not she's not on me or near me I just want to be near her
1: it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and it's and I think we have to support parents to you know be okay with that right like this you can't you know some parents are feel that way I felt that way too I didn't want to be away from my son for much time at all um in those early years and and other people are like I actually do want to have a few hours a day alone yeah and everyone's different like, we're all so different and I think we just need to support where everyone's at and just be like that's you that's great you know we don't need to put any shoulds on on anyone else's relationship with their baby.
0: I love that, just me, because everybody is different. I've got friends, like um, antenatal friends that from very early on went back to work and wanted to, um, you know, go out for dinner with their partner or go away on holiday with their partner. And I hand in heart, never judge them. You know, we all have to do what we've got to do. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I have that drive to just near her we're meant to go into a gig next week our first gig in like two or three years we gigged a lot before children and before pandemic and we really booked we booked this gig (laughs) ages ago thinking it would be fine to go but as it's getting closer and closer i'm just like i just don't want to leave and she would be absolutely fine she would go down to bed for whoever her um, friend who she knows um, my friend who she's which she knows is really familiar with her to be absolutely fine still don't want to miss that bedtime
1: right and that's okay that's okay I made those choices too I felt the same as you I'm yeah,
0: exactly the same yeah. It's such a conflict because then I'm like well maybe the gig would be good just to have a bit of a dance in the sunshine mm-hmm. uh, anyway this is for me to work out in my head but yeah for anybody listening constant conflict is, is really yes. normal it's constant push before yeah. me parenting
1: and experimenting right you could experiment you could say okay I'm gonna go and not, and not have expectations maybe I'll go for 20 minutes maybe I'll go for an hour right who knows right maybe you'll go the whole night um, or if your feelings are really strongly not to then there'll be others
0: I really like that because I used to do that after a really tough night I always knew that getting out would help me massively cleaning my teeth and getting me out some days it felt hard just to even clean my teeth I need if I clean my teeth and got out I would definitely feel better but some days that felt a lot of effort so I would tell myself you're just going to go out and walk around the block and then if you don't want to if you're too tired you don't want to you can just come home nine times out of ten I would walk to the park meet somebody have a chat grab a coffee and I'd probably have a great time so that's yeah I like that way of looking at things
1: yeah absolutely
0: just do it for a bit you
1: gotta be so gentle
0: with <laughs> yes i think that is something that we all need to be aware just not aware of that's the wrong word mindful of that quite often we're gentle with our babies but how often are we genuinely gentle with ourselves
1: mm. so so important
0: so, so important it's so That's
1: usually new it's new usually new for a lot of us once we have a baby right because again we're confronted with that emotional self our internal world that we've probably been running from until this point Maybe yeah being kind to ourselves we're used to being demanding of ourselves
0: yeah so true and rushing yeah. all of those things 100% all of those things. Oh, Greer, it's been so good to talk to you. I could literally talk about sleep, parenting, just life with you all the time. But I'm well aware time is ticking on. And we've talked about so much today. Myths, manipulation, crying, sleep training. Could we cry? Could we ever do cry out as professionals? I've loved, absolutely loved this episode, Greer.
1: Me too. This is so much fun to speak with you. I'm so happy to reconnect. Yeah,
0: me too. Thank you so much for coming. Is there anything you would like to share with our listeners before we wrap up?
1: Sure. Yeah. I would love to share. I have um, a new book out. It's called The Nurture Revolution. Grow your baby's brain and transform their mental health through the art of nurtured parenting. And I talk about baby brain development, parent brain development, And how we can nurture our babies and nurture ourselves as parents through this incredible three years of infancy, uh, the season of life that's so special for both of us. Um, So yeah, check it out um, online or in a bookstore and um, yeah, stay tuned. I'm going to have some workshops and other kinds of learning opportunities coming up as well.
0: Amazing. What I will do for listeners, I will put the link to your Amazon book in the show notes and share that. I'll also put your amazing Instagram account on there. I've loved Greer's account before. I have Betsy. Even you've been one of my go to's as a as a mum. It was amazing. Definitely kept me sane and responding. And I will also um, ask you to come back again on the show and do another episode oh, with yeah. in the future.
1: I would be happy to. Super.
0: Thank you so much, Greer. Thank you so much for listening to me, your host, Kerry Secker, on the Carrot Out Sleep Show. I really hope you found this podcast episode reassuring, informative, but most importantly, it helps you and your small to a more settled night's sleep the caring way. If you did, please don't forget to subscribe to the show below, leave me some feedback, or share it with a parent pal. I love hearing that you love listening. My next podcast episode will be available in two weeks' time. But if you really can't wait that long, please come and find me over on Instagram at Out sleep Consultant. I update my sleep squares and speak about sleep there on the daily. Big love and sleep solidarity. Until next time.